0: Well, take your Bibles. Larry uh, read for us our scripture reading today in Matthew's uh, Gospel, uh, chapter 6. And you know uh, from your glancing that this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, the great sermon that Jesus preached, probably the greatest sermon ever proclaimed. And I've entitled it, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. It's from the parallel account in Luke's Gospel, where uh, the, the Lord's disciples actually asked Jesus uh, to teach them to pray, and we said last time, it's amazing when you think about all the things that they could have asked. It's the only thing in Scripture that they felt so beggarly by comparison to the Lord in His prayer life that uh, that uh, He, they said, Lord, you must teach us how to pray. And so it's really the disciples' prayer, if you will. Uh, the Lord's prayer is probably found uh, that high priestly prayer in John 17. But uh, we call it the Lord's Prayer, and it's no sense fighting, sitting all on it, but the uh, Lord teach us to pray. Uh, some of you are, are fond of watching David Copperfield, no doubt. He is a rather amazing figure uh, insofar as uh, illusion and uh, magician, they used to call it. But he's a brilliant illusionalist, uh, a, a illusionist, creating scenes that seem uh, entirely unbelievable. Unbelievable! I, I, I don't know if you've seen some of his. I've seen him on TV. And uh, I saw it one time. He was down in D, uh, Washington. But uh, how many of you saw the time when he made the Statue of Liberty disappear? Did any of you see that? I, I watched that one on TV. I, I, like, I just happened to catch it. And I go, like, unbelievable. I mean, uh, I, and yet with TV and all, but they had people actually there. And it made it disappear. Uh, and people were, like, awestruck by that. Uh, Now, he didn't really do that, right? It's an illusion, but he made a false impression upon everyone who saw that. Those that were present there at the site, I think they were on boats or something, on on that and they watched it, and and then the TV and all the fanfare on that. uh, He didn't really steal it. He didn't take it. But uh, it was the false impression that it was gone. Uh, Who took it? He didn't, you didn't, where is it? Well... Uh, all who witnessed thought it disappeared. Well, the illusions. I use that just to say that today, uh, many, most people live with all sorts of illusions. Illusions, thinking them to be real. Everybody has a narrative story that they think about when they think about life and the events of life. They think about the overall, what it's about, even if it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, it's crazy, it's you know existential, and when things happen, they fit it in. Well, there it is. it doesn't mean anything anyway. It's a, they have a life story. You know, most people, uh, those that are apart from Jesus, have uh, all sorts of illusions thinking them to be real. One illusion, and, and, and this is one that, that in fa- infects even the believers in the church, is the false notion that we're autonomous, that we're self-independent. That uh, we get by sort of by our own strength and we depend upon our own abilities and we really need no one. It's that, some of you are older, you remember the Marlborough man. You know, he's the man's man, needs nothing and so on and so forth. And it's sort of, I characterize the American ideal of manhood as completely and utterly false. It's an illusion thinking that somehow I'm, I'm autonomous, independent, Holy, self-supporting, self-propagating, and I don't really need anyone. There are people that live with that. And, and, and a lot of us may have bitten into that to some degree. Now, there is a sense where we labor, and God wants us to uh, uh, labor and, and enjoy the fruits of that labor, and we give to the ministry, we support our family, we, uh, we invest in our children, we support them, we invest for the future, and we trust the Lord for these things, for everything from beginning to end. It's all about Him. It's not about us. But the reality is, the truth is, and I have it on your sheet, we are totally and completely and utterly dependent upon God every moment of every day. Every day. I mean, look look at our very bodies. Look at the air we breathe. Look at the sunshine. Look at this uh, this earth, this uh, perma- uh, 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 earth that we, terra firma that we stand on. You know, do you know you'll feel real good about it. The inside is a molten lava. Did you know that's really hot? And you see it when it spits out with the volcanoes. And the crust on the outside is not really thick. And here we stand and moving at incredible speeds, blasting through outer space, you know, and then here we are. Here's life on earth, the ocean, the waters, the blue planet, and the atmosphere, the blanket, which is God's marvelous design, and we breathe air at 21% oxygen, and we have the senses that you, you think you created your eyeballs? You think you, you, you designed food to eat to absorb the nutrients? Isn't that amazing? How is it, I still ask this question, how is it you can eat a nice, great ribeye, right, smothered in onions and mushrooms, and you, it goes into your stomach, and your stomach digests that piece of meat, but doesn't digest its stomach, like, i just eat the stomach, too. You know, like it, that's a piece of meat. Or you can eat cow's stomach. You know, some people do that. They eat cow's stomach. I, not me. I, I'm not uh, for that. But you can eat that. It goes into your stomach, and it digests that stuff, but not your own stomach. Anyway, all the processes of uh, the You think you designed that? You're a, you're a spirit and a soul dwelling this body that is decaying. I'm sorry to tell you that. I first realized that when I was a young boy, I had too many candies, and Mark, you'll you know, I just, Dennis said, you got a cavity. I got a what? Oh, yeah, your teeth are beginning to, you know, it's downhill from there, and then Dr. Hankey didn't believe in any, any anesthesia. Holy cow. Yeah, that red knuckle there. <laughs> There's a whole story in that. They used to call every Saturday morning during cartoons and say, hey, you haven't been in here in six or eight months, maybe a year. Uh, Tell your parents. Oh, yeah, I'll tell my parents. (laughs) That went on for a long time. (laughs) Figure that one out, right? Our bodies are crumbly. It's all Genesis 3, right? God is, is, we are totally and utterly dependent upon him every moment of every day. He has written the story of history. It's unfolding it. And here we have. And even the scriptures say, what do you have that you've not received? I mean, every single thing you have, every talent, every ability, every opportunity uh, God has given to you. Do you see the right story of life? I mean, uh, we deserve n- n- less than nothing and God. He, is, he treats us so kindly and fairly. Even the unsaved, this thing called common grace, the sunshine and the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. God is, God is good. He's kind. But even to his elect and to his children, he's kinder yet. And he carries us forward. Everything we have is from the kindness of our God. Every breath, every heartbeat, and you And, you know, you had 11,000 of them again last night. I just remind you that. 11,000 heartbeats. You weren't even aware of it. You went to sleep. We're going to talk about sleep, too, in the coming weeks. God's really been teaching me about sleep and the message of sleep. Now, don't fall asleep yet. Mike, hang on. No, hold on. But sleep has a great lesson for us. And uh, we're going to, uh, how about every ability you have? You think you got that from yourself? Maybe you honed it and shaped it. But God put that in your heart to do that. And uh, gave you the opportunity to do that and so on and so forth. How about food? Clothing? How about salvation? God is, we, we go, yeah, that's of God. How about political freedoms? You know, we look what's going on over in Eastern Europe. and We go, like, what is going to happen here? Is the Great Bear going to come out and crush? What is Putin going to do over there in the Ukraine? and in, in, in all of that. And we have, we're divided by oceans. and We think, oh, we, we, this is so great here. It's a thing easily lost. Some, one of our founding fathers said, democracy is a great thing if you can keep it. He's right in that. The tyranny of man to enslave one another for you know, whatever. How about church family? That's a gift. You know, We're a gift to each other. The relationships that we bear, and that's what it's about. Getting to know one another, sharing the heartaches, Broken. We all have weaknesses, sinful tendencies, uh, strengths, and joys and sorrows, and it's the whole mixture as we share life together on this road to glory. That's, what, that's a gift of the Lord. I mean, friends are a gift, our homes, and, and someday heaven. How about that? You get to heaven, you think you're like, yeah, I helped build this. Nuh-uh, I don't think so. It's a gift from God just like this planet is. We are God's children, and he takes care of us. He takes care of us. He's measured our days. He's measured our hours. You need never worry about that. He takes care of us. After Jesus instructed us to first look up in this thing called the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. After that first part and the three petitions we saw last week, he then, after rightfully doing it, we are now horizontally, we are now able to look at our own lives, our families, our loved ones and needs, our own hearts. And in the days to come, we're to pray for our every burdens and needs. He directs us to bring these to his Father. Now, I, I remind you, it's Jesus telling us, bring these things to God the Father. People tell me, I'll ask them, are you, do you pray? Oh, oh no, I don't want to bother God with my, my, my. No, he's too busy. Oh, really? And these are, there are six imperatives here. We're, we're, Jesus is telling us, Jesus practiced it in his whole life. Read through the gospel and find out how, how often he is in prayer. What a great model for us. And if he needed prayer, how much more do I need that prayer? I mean, that is, that's not real bright, but you can get that idea from this. And Jesus uh, tells us that, uh, to bring our every burden to him. And so three petitions, the, they're the last three of the six of the Lord's, Supper, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Three petitions, directing you to God the Father for all your needs. After giving him the proper preeminence, our Father who art in heaven, draw near and cast your every care. And do it with boldness. Lord, you've invited me to come. Not like Esther, I'm afraid to go into the king's presence, you know, I could lose my head. God said, come. Jesus said, come, come. Share the requests. Share them. Share them. Why? He cares for you. Isn't that great? Our God who created everything holds it all together, tells us that he cares for us. And he means every word of that. Well, the, uh, the first petition is we're to, invited to ask uh, God the Father to provide our daily physical needs daily give us today our daily bread bread is the emphasis Ereton, the greek word comes first in the bread bread when i grew up in the 60s people used to call money bread give me some hey you got any bread money you know and bread and that's not a bad way to think about because he's not only he's not we're going to show you here he's not only talking about food you know but you got some bread perhaps money is in need uh, and, and so on. The emphasis is bread, and the second area is today. He says it twice. Give us today our daily bread. You know, I, I think it's a, a illustrative that uh, if you're reading through the Bible, uh, like we've been doing in the, uh, in the bulletin, read the Bible through in a year, uh, you, we just read the portion of a daily manna. You know, and it's instructive for us. The man of this new thing came, and uh, it would be uh, uh, in the morning. The dew would provide this bread, and, and, they, and you could only gather enough for the day. And the, day the, and the Lord worked so miraculously so he saw that when it came the day before the Sabbath, they could gather twice as much. And some that tried to gather more, it rotted and became awful. And, uh, and, and it's instructive for us, one day at a time. Boy, wouldn't it be great if we just lived that way? I mean, some of, you are, some of you are in the past. You're filled with bitterness and heartbreak and disappointment way back there. Don't do that. Let that go. Let that go. It's gone. It's gone forever. And some folks live in the future. Oh, oh what's going to happen on Tuesday? What off Friday? Oh, and they don't live today. I mean, I see the emphasis here. Today is the only thing we have. You get hit by a bus when we leave this place. I hope not. I don't want that phone call. But today is all we have and today we're to be content with God's provision. Give us today. Doesn't mean we don't plan for tomorrow. To be like God is the plan. God has a plan. But we're, we're not worried about this. We're, not, we're just trusting the Lord. Lord, give us wisdom to make and discipline to make good decisions today. But let me live today in its fullness. So this means, A, give me, dear Father, today what is necessary for me necessary. Not my greeds, but my needs. It involves food, but also includes all the physical necessities of life. The Greeks in that day, it was a Roman empire, but the Greek culture won the day. The Romans conquered the Greeks, but the Greek culture, the Hellenistic culture, was it permeated the whole Mediterranean area, and the Greek philosophy reigned, right? And part of the Greek philosophy was that there's a great disdain for the body. They could go and live like pigs and be immoral because the body was nothing. The soul was everything. Uh, that's not what our Bible teaches. God made his body, soul, and spirit. And the body is fully redeemed. It's going to be, you're going to look better than ever. You think you look good now? You wait and see with a redeemed body how you're going to look. The body is important. It's important to the Lord Jesus who made it. And uh, he cares, he cares about our whole self, body, soul, and spirit. God redeems the whole man. It's even more, it's a prayer for food, clothing, home, a good job, all the physical necessities of life. Now I think it's interesting that when, uh, after we worship the Lord in the first part of the prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, that now we get down into the second part of this prayer, it doesn't begin with spiritual needs. Isn't that interesting? You would think he'd go, first of all, wait a minute, let's change uh, on the sheet here. It'd be two and one. Let's reverse that. Father, forgive us of our trespasses, even as we forgive. But he doesn't. He begins with our physical needs first. I, I think that's terribly interesting and instructive that the body is important and God redeems the whole man and God cares for us, body, soul, and spirit. That be that God is the source of All of our physical needs. And that our glorious creator stoops to meet every one of my needs. Psalm 23.1. Don't you love that? The Lord is my shepherd. And because of that, I shall not want. Isn't that wonderful? It's a great sin then of indifference or ingratitude to refuse to see this and to give him the thanks that he rightfully deserves. Now, can you find 1 Chronicles 29? This is a great treasure that's buried way back in the, in the Old Testament. Uh, 1 Chronicles 29. Well, just, I, I just wanted to read uh, just this little section uh, in verses 11. Look at, that. Look at how it's expressed in David's prayer. Back to verse 10. 1 Chronicles 29.10 Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said... Here's his prayer. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and all in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. What a wonderful uh, scripture that clearly points that God, our God, our Lord, is a source of everything. Everything. Now the petition see, give, the, give us or give points to our many needs. We are a needy people. I know sometimes we'll say, "Oh, that family—they're a needy people." Oh, and we understand what we mean by that. But the reality is—the <laughs> reality is—we are all needy, every single one of us. Uh, and and that's—and and that's the reality of life. We—we—we uh, we, we give points to our many needs. It recognizes our total dependency upon God. God could stop it all. He could stop the sunshine. Uh, uh, I wish he'd bring the sunshine, but he has a purpose and a plan in all that he could do. He could stop the rain. I remind you of Joshua and Elijah. Elijah prayed it wouldn't rain. Guess what? Three and a half years no rain. That's something. Wow! Until he was on Mount Carmel. And prayed again, and then it rained. Joshua prayed. He needed more time in a battle. How about that? (laughs) Joshua, and the sun stood filled. Was that a local light? I don't know. Was it the sun? Did the Lord do something with the... he, He could do that. He could do it at any single moment. It's not a machine, although it's a statement of his faithfulness, the way he governs and runs all things. But he's not locked out. It's not a closed box. It's open. And at any one moment, he can reach in and and change. The truth is, we could not live one moment without him. He holds everything together every moment of the day. Colossians chapter 1, 16 and 17 ought to be verses you are well acquainted with. Well, who can pray this? Uh, Give us today our daily bread. Only God's kids can do this. uh, Those who have been adopted through the blood of Christ into his families. I got news for you. This is not for the neighbor's kids. I learned that early. when, uh, uh, In our family, my mother, I thanked her at her birthday. At her 80th birthday, we had some words of tribute. And, and uh, I remember, uh, I just went down memory lane and shared a number of things. But one thing I remember stood out was that my, to my mother, she made Christmas like it was Magical. Magical. I mean, it, it was the high-water mark uh, in, in our family's life. Uh, and uh, everything she did, all the presents, the way she fixed the house up, the music, the meals. I mean, I, as a young boy, we could, we could hardly wait. I think one time my father had to tie uh, the doorknobs of my brother and I bedroom because we couldn't wait till morning. <laughs> My mother had one of those elastic things for uh, Jack Lalanne, and he tied down at the doorknob, <laughs> and we couldn't get out to get down there. And I said, "Mom, thank you so much, thank you for that. That was just so wonderful." And when Christmas w- morning would come, then we would spend hours opening gifts, and just, just it was just so special. And one thing about that. Uh, it, it wasn't that we didn't, but uh, with a large, the, the presence and the gifts and the care and the love that flowed were for the Zavolsky kids. They weren't for the neighbor's kids. Although if there was a need, my folks were there to help neighbors and things, but it was for their kids. And this prayer is for God's kids, you know. Those that have already said are our Father who art in heaven. You see, they're ones already adopted into God's family through saving faith that God has wrought in their hearts and lives. It's for God's kids. And Jesus tells us to pray daily for these needs and that God delights in caring for us. That's Psalm 37, 25. I love that. David writes, I, I'm, I'm old. I was once old. I was once young, but now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. God takes care of his own for his name's sake, for his reputation's sake. You know, the name. You say to my father, Zebulski's oh, a, a different name, Dad. Different name. He said, It's a good name. You make it better. <laughs> I go, Oh, Okay. don't don't soil it you make it better all right I will Uh, you you know and and God delights in caring for us and he certainly certainly does as we bear his name and the joy he has in that is an amazing thing I I can think of uh, uh, what a great joy as a father I always wanted to be a father couldn't wait to have our children that God gave us. And I know some of some of you are ladies and some of you are not married. I realize I have not been married. But one of the things that God put in my heart was a joy to be able to care for uh, my children's needs. I mean, everything from shoes and clothing and, and boys uh, eat a lot, you know. And Lord, give us today our daily bread. You know? <laughs> and uh, and then school and tuitions and... and uh, uh, for you know, all the, the the things got bigger and bigger. Oh Lord, help you know. And, and what a joy to be able to provide for my my family when they were in those those growth years before they went out on their own. It's a joy. And what a what a hard thing it is for a dad not to be able. Most most dads show their love that way. A lot of times, men aren't real big on words, not really gushy, but they look at what they trade their life for, so that they their family can live indoors. And, uh, and be cared for and it's a, it's a very tangible direct line uh, and I, I count it a great joy uh, to have been able to do that uh, all because of the Lord, it all came from him, it's all his anyway and uh, I thank the Lord for that. How much greater does the, our father have in taking care of us, his kids his utter blissfulness and joy and felicity of his own heart it's, it's overwhelming um, Uh, Paul said it so well in Philippians 4.19, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ. That wonderful promise there in that thank you note to the Philippians for their sacrificial love gift to Paul while he was in prison. Well, that's today. Give us today our daily bread. There's a second petition, and that is uh, dealing with yesterday. There are really three time periods here, too, if you look at it. Today, our daily bread... And then we're going to ask the Lord to forgive us of our trespasses. That's stuff we did in this moment back. That's sort of yesterday, if you will. And then the last one is going to point to the future and lead us not into temptation. That's the next step, okay? That's the next moment. That's futuristic in a sense. So the second petition, Father, uh, forgive us. uh, We're to ask the Father, forgive us of our sins. Now, for the, the, this occupies the major theme of the, of the prayer, actually, just by the number of words. In fact, the words uh, forgive in, in this prayer is mentioned six times. I don't know how many times your folks had to correct you or say to you, and don't forget this. And don't forget this. And uh, Faith helps me out that way. She'll say, no, don't. honey, I said, don't, don't tell me that. The best thing to do is write me a note. Because I don't know, I, if I, if it's not written down, it doesn't often happen. Well, she does it. She'll write it down and then underline it, and then she'll say, "When I'm going out the door, don't forget." I go, like, huh? "It's not right here. You don't have to tell me again." Six times, forgive us, forgive us, forgive us. So, like, Lord, I think I got the message. Six times, six. You better clean your room. You better clean your room. Or if, or if, or six times. Forgive us of our trespasses. It's the major theme of the passage in verse 12, then 14 uh, through and 15. Look at, verse, look at verse 12. And forgive us our debts. Affemi, forgive us to release us of our debts. He's looking at our sins as a transgression, as a moral obligation, as, as we have forgot, uh, forgiven our debtors. And then look at verse 14. For if you forgive, there it is again, others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive. I mean, it's like, wait a minute, he's stuttering here. Wait, it's for emphasis, get it here. Not only our physical needs we're to ask for, but we're to ask the Lord to examine our heart that we might daily daily keep our sin list short you see our biggest problem is life is not your personality though some of us need an adjustment there it's not that you don't have enough money in your account uh, and some of us could use some more of that right but it's, it's not that you don't have talents or ability or uh, it that's not it our biggest problem in life is sin it separates us from god and from others now once we become saved guess what the moment after we're still sinners God's going to take us and change us, gives us new nature, the Holy Spirit, but we still sin. You know, there are some in some schools that teach that once you become a Christian, you never sin again. This, uh, this perfection on earth thing, that's not true, don't believe it for a moment. You have to tear out Romans 7 in your Bible. Paul the Apostle said, that what I don't want to do, I do. And what I want to do, I don't do. And I discover that there is the law of sin within me as well as the law. You, you see, there's that conflict there. And it's God's work in us. He is saving us, making us like Jesus. And a big part of the process is, is that we get on, when we get on our knees, we look into our heart and we say, Lord, reveal to me how I have trespassed against my brother, my sister, my neighbor, against you, sins of omission, sins of commission, things I should have done and I didn't do, things I did, I shouldn't have done. I'll tell you, I do this every day, and it's difficult. Difficult. It's my least favorite part of my prayer life. I love praying for you. I'd rather pray for you guys. (laughs) And Lord, be with Janice and Ron and be with Susan, and oh Lord, and anything that I know going on. But when I turn in, i go like, oh Lord, oh oh God, please forgive me. And I'm not going to hang my laundry out here. Don't worry. But that's the hardest part. Lord, I hate that. I loathe that in me. And uh, I I just, I I, I pray that way. And I go through and I name them one by one. I do. And I find God growing me in grace, cleansing me, giving me an increased appetite for holiness. And one day I'm going to get there, but it will be heaven. And so on. So our biggest problem is sin. It separates us from God, from others, doesn't it? We have a fight for something with someone else, separates. We have a disagreement. We, uh, you know, there's anger. Separation, separation, separation. Uh, You know, you may yell at your kids. Your kids yell at separation. Sin separates. It separates. It separates. It does. It's the essence of a spiritual death. Separation. Our greatest need is even more than food is to find forgiveness and cleansing from God daily. This doesn't refer to cleansing we receive at salvation but to our daily need to find cleansing from sin that breaks fellowship with God. We're to look back and confess to our Father many sins and find restoration. First John 1.9, you all know that. We're to look back within the last day, the last 24 hours, right? If daily we're asking for daily bread, then the next thing we're going, Lord, and forgive us of our trespasses. And I'm like, oh, yes, Lord, yep, yeah. mm-hmm, yep, yeah, and name them. It'll make you humble, really, and realize that we're not much. And that we're God's project. It isn't us. It's Christ in us and the power of the gospel in us. To be a blessing and to grow to be like Jesus. Wow, that's what it is. Doing this and doing it daily will bring great joy. I'm telling you. It brings joy. If you don't have joy in your life, it's because you have sin. Unconfessed sin. If you know Jesus. you know Read Psalm 32, 1 and 2. Twice blessed is the man who confesses his sin. You know, enjoy. What do you have about? God, cleanse me. Now, he's not talking about salvation. There's some that think, well, you're saved, and, and then when you sin, you lose it. But you have to throw your Bible out. I feel so badly for people that claim the name of Christ that hold to that theology. He's not talking about that. He's not, once you're saved, your sins, as far as the east is the west, you're, you're in Christ. You've been received the righteousness of Jesus. We sing clothed in the righteousness of God. When you get to heaven, you go, why should I let you in here? I'm not going to say, well, I was a pretty good guy. Mm-mm. It is only because of the righteousness of Jesus been given to me. That's it. That's all. Welcome, Terry. Here I come. Now, what's happened, though, the and day, the days that followed that, these many, many years now, I discovered that I sin. And so when I sin, God doesn't put me out of the family. Okay, you're out. I would have lost it the first day or second. No, probably the first. Probably the first, right? Multiple times. But there's an estrangement in the fellowship. A separation. That sin does that. And so daily, we're to find cleansing. How many times have I told you about the the Zabolsky Saturday night ritual of bath time? And boys at my age, and that day, we didn't have showers, It was a bathtub, and we hated the thing. You have to get in there. Your brother was in there. It's not too dirty. You get in there next. You know, and my mother would scrub our hair until we screamed out, and uh, we got to get all that stuff out of there. It was a week's worth of dirt, you know. I mean, that tub was, I don't know, you had a a fire hose and hose that thing out with all the scum and that after a number of the, (laughs) anyway, you got the picture. That's what, this is what this is. It's, it's a cleansing. It's a washing daily. And as you do that, I'll tell you, it gives you strength to not sin as much. And it fills your heart with joy that you're growing in grace. And uh, I'm telling you, that's the, God's prescription. It'll add joy. Isn't that great? I love joy so much. Oh. So return to the Lord again and again to confess your sin. And don't neglect to do this. Don't neglect. Seventy times seventy. We're to forgive one another. That's the one condition here. And it's not like, oh, if you don't do this, you're out. No, what he's saying is, forgive those who trespass against you. And if you do that, that's a characteristic of of being a genuine believer. You say, well, I can't do that. Well, yes, you can. God commands us to do that. And you've forgotten the pit from wherein you were dug. And it's 70 times 7 how many times am I supposed to release him? If Seven times? Peter was feeling really good about himself. Three, seven No, 70 times seven. 490, you know, 491 ramp. No, it's hyperbole. It means you, you're always to forgive. And it's the Spirit of God in us. It's not in us natively. You know, you, you do that to me, you do that to my kids, I'll bop you good. I'll see you and raise you. You know, we, we understand that, right? But to release and to forgive is... Is so like Jesus. Why? We've been forgiven an enormous amount of sin and we're not the nickel and dime people that do things wrong against us. We've forgotten what we've been forgiven of. And God will give us the grace to do that. And that's what he's saying. You cannot walk in fellowship with God while refusing to forgive others. It's impossible. It's impossible to do that. And so daily, bathe your heart in confession and repentance. I remember uh, Uh, I've I've mentioned her before, in in 1979, pastoring in our first church in our first year, the treasurer of the church was shot and killed, Max. Max had just turned 40, big, tall, farmer, happy, happy man, married to Levon. And the boyfriend dating uh, their daughter uh, um, uh, uh, was was told he could no longer date, and he got angry. He came down from Valparaiso and unloaded uh, 38 on Max, and, and he died a day later. How horrible was that? We were at prayer meeting. He was waiting for the rest of the family to come home to get them as well. And God supernaturally protected them, though his ex-girlfriend got shot in the wrist. it was horrible. We sat through the trial. And Max was this tall. His wife, Levon was about down here. She played the organ, too, at church. And uh, she was this little and tiny and frail. And they were high school sweethearts. And... um, I remember all through all the tears and all of that with not only the funeral but then the court case and all of that with David Ward who had done that. And I remember one day she, uh, during that time she, she was crying away sobbing just because she missed Max so much and she said, you know Pastor um, I forgive him. I, I, I forgive him for what he stole from me and from my family. and i thought to myself that's the gospel i mean how how few people would have the strength that christ alone gives and you can't see it in advance you say well when that happens i'll do that or i won't be no the lord will give you grace at the moment you need that grace and she forgave him and her life was never ever the same that's the gospel and she practiced that. She forgave him. Well, we're to ask the Lord to forgive us. It's the main theme of this, our yesterday's forgiven. The last uh, petition uh, directing you to God the Father for all your... Ask the Father to protect you from evil uh, in all your tomorrows. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And, and, and in fact, I think it means the evil one. There's an evil one. We live in a world that kids himself in the West that there's no such thing as evil. Remember when Reagan called the Soviet Union the evil empire? And the halls and the faculty lounges of the Ivy League schools just laughed him to scorn that somehow there's such a thing as good and such a thing as the opposite evil. Well, God doesn't seem to be confused on that. You know? There is, we live in a fallen, broken world that was once destroyed but all but ate by a flood. It's an evil world, and we're to pray, Lord, we need your protection. We are extremely weak and vulnerable, and we need your protection, Lord, please. Look, we live in an evil, dangerous world. It's a fallen world. There are are three dangers, right? As we look under the hills, whence cometh our help, Psalm 121. Uh, Even though we're redeemed, we continue to have a sin nature within, Romans 7. That's sin like a magnet. Like a magnet, especially sins of yesteryear that were had deep rooted in us. You know, we're not even thinking about walking down the street and something just touches it, and it's like a magnet. We're drawn. We go, like, "What is that?" I want. To, I love the Lord. It's that's that sin. But second evil in the world is uh, is what the spirit of the world is godless, and it it's pervasive. It's dark. No wonder the Charter of the United Nations, uh, as a part of their early uh, founding there in the late 40s after World War II, uh, declared that there would never be a prayer offered in that building in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now that's that's astounding. That was was doomed for failure at the get-go. But that's the spirit of our world. And third, we have an enemy of our soul. His name is Satan. And we're like, oh, do you really think there's a, a Satan? Is there really a devil? What, what, what a bunch of nonsense that is. Jesus was tempted in the, de- in the desert by this fallen angel, Lucifer, Satan, the opposer, the accuser of the brethren, Satan. Yes. And what? Peter tells us he's like a devouring lion, a lion seeking whom he may devour. He walks about and with his other fallen angels and so would tempt us. And he tempted Jesus in Matthew 4. And James 4.7, submit to God, James says, and resist the devil. It's not just the force. We're not talking about feel the force. It's not an impersonal thing. It's a person. And that's who Jesus was talking to in, in, in Matthew 4. Don't be, don't be hoodwinked into that. Well, the petition means, Father, don't lead me into a situation where I might easily be tempted and sin. It's a matter of great self-distrust. Do you have a great sense of self-distrust? I do. I do. That's why we need each other. That's why we need accountability. That's why we need to say, hey, Sapolsky, where are you going, man? Oh, yeah, you're right. What am I doing? A healthy sense of self-distrust. Why? Because there's danger. This world is fraught with it. I'm not saying go home and hide. I'm not saying that. You still take part of it with you, right? Lord, don't lead me in a situation. I'm so weak and vulnerable and frail that I'm gonna, I'm gonna deny you, right? Like Peter, and that uh, my fellowship with you would be broken. I don't want to ever feel that distance, Lord. So I pray. And so the Lord t- tells us to pray uh, and lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I don't. We yearn never to feel any distance. Don't you hate that in loved ones, when relationship, when you sense something's not right? And there's a distance there. You know, there's a distance. You know, with Faithy and I, as we live life and enjoy life together, sometimes we have differences of opinion. Sometimes we fail each other. And I despise that where there's a, a distance. You know, and, and my sense is to jump on it right away and, and, and make that right and reconcile. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, right? The distance, a lot of, folk, a lot of couples end up getting so far, they're like strangers in the same house. Well, we can become very distant with God. And Lord, don't bring anything in my life that would cause me to be distant from you. And so we're really praying here uh, that our future, our fellowship with God would never be broken. And we're encouraged by 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that God would never allow us to be tempted above which we're able. Wow. But our tendency is... Uh, we don't do like, like typical Niagara Falls. How often I've said that. I was talking to my sister the, uh, the other week. She said they've had so much uh, cold and snow up at Niagara Falls that the, uh, the fence line, there's a fence line. If you've gone up there to the Goat Island and all that, and then they put up some snow fences that, uh, with a mist, and then it freezes, and the snow gets up 8 and 10 and 12 feet. So it's over... It goes over the fence along Goat Island there, along the American Falls near the, uh, the Horseshoe Falls. And and people will actually go walking on that. They thought like brainless. One's, I mean, it's iced over. I mean, the mist is up there and it's freezing there and it's like, hey, I could ice skate on that. That's right. Talk about Hershey Park. There's, here's a ride that's better than what a splash you'll make there. People walk it. They'll, they'll walk right over the fence line and they're like, oh yeah, look at that. Like what is wrong with you, please? You know, but you know we do that as Christians. Sometimes God says, "Stay back, stay back, stay back," right? Pour that which is evil, and we're like walking over. and like, hey! you know, and there we go. We get zapped, just like those insect things in the yard, right? And there goes another one. Yep, and there it is. Danger. Stay back. We are weak. He is strong. Don't you love Paul's? prayer, uh, his, his words in 2 Timothy 4, some of his last words he ever wrote, Paul writes the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom, praise God well the ultimate effects of sin are death and damnation and the present effects are misery dissatisfaction and guilt and common ways in which we are attempted discouragement, isn't that a big one, don't you think, I think Discouragement often through others. How about the spies report? You know, we can't do it. <laughs> Discourage all the people. Oh, be it discour- let's be encouraged. Busyness can be something that, that uh, we, Satan can attempt to attack and lead us. Busyness, tyranny of the urgent, lack of focus on our priorities of life. How about the eye gate? That's a big one, right? I want that. I want the covetousness, enviousness. You know, the lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh. How about money? Things, thinking wrongly about money, most of the world does, making it an idol. Wow, what a prayer. Well, what are some lessons? So what? what uh, how does this apply to my life? What do you say? Look at number one. After worshiping the Lord in your prayers, our Father who art in heaven, come boldly telling him of your every daily need. Jesus invites us to come and cast our every care upon him. Tell him when you're afraid. Tell him when you don't know what to do. Just lay it out before him. He will lead you and guide you and, and, and comfort you. I promise you he will. And as you do this, fill your prayer with thanksgiving for all he has provided and for what he will do for you in the future and that you're trusting the Lord with all your heart. Wow. Number two, keep your sinless short. This is one of the key disciplines of the Christian life. By dealing with it often, if not daily. Happy is the man or woman whose heart is clean. Joy, joy dwells in that heart. If your heart's not joyful, then you probably have a, a laundry list that you need to deal with. No joy in a sinful heart. No joy in, in, in disobedient children. Have you ever heard? There's a, there's a scowling, there's a look. It's, it's instructive for us spiritually. Number three, be very generous in forgiving those who sin and hurt you and hurt your loved ones. One thing for them to hurt you another thing for them to hurt your loved ones I realize that stick your finger in my eye but don't stick it in my children's eyes Lord help me here you know let's be generous let's release people of that debt it is uh, your great opportunity to show Christ's forgiveness to others and Jesus will give you the power to be able to do this and if you refuse then you've forgotten the pit from wherein you were dug Number four, daily commit your journey to the Lord for his protection and safety. Daily you should expect to be confronted by evil and temptation in this world. Ask him to help you through and use this word like a sword to contend with the devil. That's what Jesus did out in Matthew 4, right? It is written. It is written, Satan. It is written. He defeated Satan for that time. And finally, God's adoption is presently open. He's adding new members to his family. If you've never called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord is saying, come unto me and I will save you right now. Confess your sin and invite me to be your Lord and Savior and I will save you and clothe you with the righteousness of Jesus. Will you do that? His sin, your sin, because his paid for at Calvary. His righteousness becomes yours, makes you acceptable. Today you can be born into God's family, and only then can you pray, our Father who art in heaven. I know, I know it's late, Lord, uh, our time, but i like us, I, in your bulletin, Gene uh, typed up, Great is thy faithfulness. I, I just love this. It's a reminder of God's care, and I sing this often during the day and hum it. And I just thought we'd uh, stand and sing and uh, sing the first stanza and the chorus And then let's read the second stanza, and then sing the chorus, Great is Thy Faithfulness, and then read the third, Pardon for Sin and a Peace, and then sing, and before we close, Great is Thy Faithfulness, okay? Should we do that?
1: Great is Thy Faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassion they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Let's read.
0: Summer and winter and springtime and harvest sun, moon, and stars in their courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and
1: love. Sing. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Shall we read? Pardon for sin
0: and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow.
1: Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Father, thank you so much
0: for the wonderful word and the encouragement to pray. Thank you, Lord, for this song. And may we take this and sing this throughout this week and be light and salt to a world that desperately needs to hear of the tremendous word of the gospel, Lord. May we love people to yourself. Make us a blessing until we gather again and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.